0: This episode was first published on September 13th, 2014.
1: This is episode 36 of Biblically Speaking, a conversational question and answer show with two guys from Millard Community Church in Omaha, Nebraska. If you need exercise, go to a gym. If you want some entertainment, Try a board game, or watch some boob tube. If you want the truth, that should be found in the local church. Millard Community Church meets every Wednesday night at 7.30pm for Bible study, and every Sunday morning from 9.30am. We gather in Omaha, one block north of Q Street and Oaks Lane, which is approximately at 127th Street. You are welcome to come and practice your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with us. Enjoy the show! So we're talking dispensational changes... Yes. And specifically I want to ask you about the dispensational change into what you might call the dispensation of Israel or the dispensation of the law, perhaps, and then out of that and into the dispensation that we currently enjoy. When would you say that the dispensation of Israel began and maybe what kind of what preceded it?
0: Well, let's talk about what preceded it first, can we? Yes. What preceded Israel was Abraham, God with Abraham. Yeah, but then Abraham died, and then you had... Yeah, yeah, time. for sure. But the time of Israel was promised to Abraham. Okay. Because when Abraham saw, when the promise to Abraham of the land that he was walking through came to him in Genesis 15 is when the covenant was made with Abraham for the land. Right. Right? Yes. God said to him that, uh, you know, actually he made it, he Hunter he did not make the promise to Abraham, he made it to his seed. And he said, unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river of the river Euphrates. So that's from the Nile of the Euphrates. Right. I remind my Jewish friends of that, that God gave Abraham the land from the Nile to the Euphrates because the maps that they draw don't include such a distance.
1: Yeah, they're fighting over a lot less land, aren't they?
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, there's a dispute over much, much less than that. And he named a whole range of nations that would be displaced. Those nations come under the broad title of Amorites. Mm -hmm. They were the uh, ten nations of uh, the Gentiles that needed to be eliminated. In fact, before God said, I make this covenant with thy seed, he told him, uh, your seed will be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. They'll serve them, they'll be afflicted. 400 years, they'll be in that land. So all that time, same dispensation, right? All the 400 years? Yeah. Actually, yeah, the 400 years of Israel in Egypt prior to the emergence of Israel out of Egypt is part of the Abrahamic dispensation. Exactly right. Okay. The dispensation of the nation of Israel occurs, you might say, when God says Israel is my firstborn. To to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. He calls them out of Egypt. And uh, you might say that that dispensation begins on the Passover. Hmm. That is the day that Israel became a nation under the blood of the Lamb. Anybody not under the blood of the Lamb was dead, so at least the firstborns were all dead. That was the day that God created Israel, made it a nation, just as he said he would do to Abraham's seed. But Abraham's seed, I mean, he said in Isaac, right? So there you have Jacob and Esau. It's going to be of Jacob, but God picked a time for that to happen, and it was the time of Moses. So they're called out of Egypt, they're made a nation, but
1: if when I think of a house order, you know, I think of the rules to a certain degree. The yeah. law didn't come for some time after that.
0: Didn't take very long.
1: Well, everything's relative, I guess, in time. Seems like a, there was a, a middle time where the law had not been dispensed.
0: Well, it didn't take them very long to get across the Red Sea and out into the Arabian Desert, yeah. where God convened them around at Mount Sinai and gave them the law.
1: How long was that, just uh, estimating?
0: I don't know exactly how long, but not very long, pretty quick. <laughs> okay. Pretty soon. We could probably calculate that, but yeah. pretty soon.
1: So the law comes. Right. Now they have full understanding of how they are to be as a nation.
0: Exactly. They had their constitution.
1: They said all that you have said that we shall do.
0: They lied back to God. He <laughs> like, told them the truth. They lied back.
1: Uh-huh. And then things went on. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of history And now there.
0: they're one nation under God, indivisible, right? Uh, was there liberty and justice? It wasn't liberty and justice for all. I wouldn't say that the women had special liberty there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it wasn't fair Christian liberty, not Christian liberty. Christian liberty is much, much greater than they yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah, with law for all. They had a law, that's for
1: sure, didn't they? They had law, yeah. Okay, so going back to what we talked about previously, you said that dispensations end with uh, human failure. Well, what so what's think? the d- human failure there at the end of the Abrahamic uh, dispensation? Is it the, the bondage of Israel? or
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the turning against God's chosen. Pretty serious thing, you know. Uh, they were received by, in great favor and grace when they came in uh, under Joseph, but yeah. I would say that the terminus aquim, Began and remember we have transition periods to look at, but it began with there arose another pharaoh that is a pharaoh of a different kind mm-hmm. that didn't know Joseph. Now, Joseph was long dead when that guy rose up, but the uh, the thought that he didn't know Joseph was the thought that he didn't you know probably started expunging his name out of the history books. Didn't like him, and and you know, became intensely afraid and an intense hatred against God's chosen people. We're mm-hmm. not yet a nation. So what do we learn from the Abrahamic time
1: about man? I mean, similar to how you, we learned that sinless doesn't matter, uh, left to your own conscience doesn't work, these type of things that we, oh, about well, we
0: learn about. Oh, well, I think we learn a great deal about things. We, we learn what one man's life of faith is about. The failure of the Abrahamic dispensation right? Mm -hmm. It's not Abraham. It's the failure of man. That's what we always learn, the failure of man. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, during the time of Noah. It didn't need to be Noah's failure. It wasn't Noah's failure. It was man's failure. In the time of Abraham, it's man's failure, right? Man's rejection of the chosen family of of, God. of Of the family of God, right? Man's objection and hatred of the line through Abraham that is chosen to inherit that land and to bring forth the Savior.
1: Hmm.
0: So, you know, the other Pharaoh that doesn't know Joseph, the one who did know Joseph, is preserving of God's people, giving them the land of Goshen where they prospered and grew. The one who knew not Joseph, he comes in, right, to... Oppress them. To oppress them, and in the slaughter of the innocents, where Moses was spared, right, to mm-hmm. eliminate the seed chosen by God, even though uh, the seed does not
1: come through Moses. Right. So Israel's established as a nation, and we see the law given. Now also a covenant made.
0: Yes. Right, between well, God yes. and
1: Israel, two-party covenant. Uh, here's a law, and
0: here's the... Yes, this is the covenant that doesn't disannul the promise. Right. That was made to Abraham. Yeah.
1: So I bring that up because it seems like, you know, you have different covenants and they seem to be maybe orthogonal to dispensations, but perhaps related in certain senses. Here well, you know, there are
0: not nearly as many covenants as covenant theologians wanna. Sure, but we know we have, you know, at least two.
1: No Noah had a covenant to Noah, David had a covenant. So there's, you know, a handful of these.
0: Yeah, there's an old and future covenant with Israel. Do yeah. Israel belong the covenants.
1: Yeah. And so this Old Covenant, you know, which unfortunately we named the entire, you know, section of the Bible about, yeah, is between God and Israel, Israel, but it's it's actually attached to a certain degree to that dispensation, is it not?
0: The Old Covenant, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But then we take the New Covenant, and we somehow think, well, that's attached to ours, but it's not. It's actually... It's, it's that future time that, you know, Paul yeah, is... Yeah, the
0: Book detail. of Romans makes it plain. The covenants belong to Israel, so you find a covenant, it's Israel's. Yeah. Now... You might not say the Noahic Covenant is Israel's. It goes to all of us. It's God's invention of the nation. It's pre-Israel, for sure. It's pre-Israel. It anticipates Israel. It's the creation of the nations. The nations will fail. God will try to sort the nations out by raising up a firstborn nation to rule over them. They will fail. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work either. Then God will turn away and set that nation aside— And collect to himself a people out of every nation, including Israel, Mm -hmm. for a people unto his name. And he'll do that and see how that works. That will fail, and he will call those people out and take Israel off the back burner and take up Israel again, and all Israel at the end of that will believe in the Lord Jesus. Then he'll return and rule and reign for a thousand years, but... Even that will result in man's failure, even that rule and reign of a thousand years. I mean, man will finally, after a thousand years, take up arms against the Lord Jesus himself. So failure and transition is very much highlighted in in all of these things. Israel's failure is, okay, denied, but manifest. And the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he even sends those that heard him to him, and then he sends the Apostle Paul to him, and they reject all. And that's why he sets them aside and fires up this present dispensation's given to Paul.
1: Yeah, so we have, you know, Israel goes on for some time, and we find that the Lord himself came uh, born under the law, right? So right. the same exact law that was absolutely hundreds of years earlier, still in effect. No house order changes. Nope. For a very long time. But transition. And then, you know, everything breaks loose with the Lord's ministry and then his death and subsequent resurrection.
0: Another thing you see that at the time when dispensations shut down and change is heightened activity or obvious activity by Satan or Arch enemy. Like demon obsession and stuff? Demon obsession, Satan showing up. In the case of the Lord, you know, Satan showing up to tempt him. Mm-hmm. Satan occupying Judas personally, obsessed. So is that him? just part and parcel of our failure then? Is like that increases as we fail more? You think? Yeah, of course. You know, you give a test to man, he can fail it. That's every he fails every one. Mm. So the lesson ought to be learned that wow, you know, we need to be substituted for, we need to be we need, you know, somebody needs to die for our sins. Yeah. We need a remedy yeah. outside of ourselves. You, you you should be able to conclude that. I mean, not just personally because you feel your own sins upon you, but the scriptures should lead you to understand that, and do lead you to understand that mm. that your failure is complete and there's no hope in man.
1: So now let's talk about this dispensational change between Israel and what we call you know, the church, which is his body. Okay, this seems like one of the longer more difficult to parse transitions, not as obvious as well, there's one flood year and then it was different. Yeah. Um, wh- how do we pinpoint when things changed? You say it was committed to Paul, so did it not actually change until Paul dispensed it? Or we also learned that the the law was, you know, that the Lord actually uh, nailed it to the cross, right? It is finished. And so that seems to be the, perhaps an ending point.
0: It is, and it is. Uh, There's a dispensational change in place. We actually have to put a parenthesis and allow for the dispensational change. I call it a transition period, okay? But some other might call it a dispensational change, and then I I don't have a big problem with him, except I probably have a problem with what he did to water baptism, where he loses it for no good reason. But let me say that... uh, that God's word still went to Israel. From a Jewish point of view. From a Jewish point of view, the big dispensational change is that God's word is with Gentiles now. Which we don't see until what is it, Acts ten?
1: I mean there's
0: Well, we don't really see it as believable until the Ephesian, until the miraculous gifts are visited on the Ephesian believers. Who, by the way, are not necessarily technically Gentiles. They, 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 could be Hellenistic Jews, but from a Jewish point of view, the visitation of the Word of God on Hellenists itself is expansive. So,
1: it wasn't Cornelius? It wasn't the Romans? Well, one, certainly like, prior yeah,
0: to that, it, it it's a little different because a proselyte can be saved in in the, in the matter of of Cornelius. In the Lord Jesus, but I'm not one who who sees that instance as a dispensational transition. I'm the I'm one who sees that as a fulfillment of the role of Peter that was given to him when the keys of the kingdom were handed to him, that he would open up and unlock the word of God to the Gentiles. So I see it significant there yeah. as that. But certainly the dispensation didn't change. But didn't that prompt the big meeting in Jerusalem
1: in Acts fifteen? Because now they see these Gentiles with charismatic gifts, and how do we deal with them?
0: Yeah, if you mean by not specifically Cornelius, but the the pouring out of gifts yeah, on the after Gentiles. that the ministry of the well, really, okay, what happens there? It's it's really the ministry of the Apostle Paul. That's really what goes on. Uh, what really changes the dispensation, finalizes the transition, mm-hmm. is the ministry of Apostle Paul. He's not one of the Twelve. The Twelve form the foundation, prophets, right? This thing's going to go on differently than it starts. It's not going to be all Jewish. It's not going to be predominantly Jewish. It's not going to be communistic. They're not going to have—I don't like to use the word communist here— It's not going to be all things in common. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be over soon. There's a lot of things it's not going to be. It's not going to be marked by miracles and signs, which it was up till then. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be headed up by 12 apostles. There's just a whole lot of it's not going to be like they think it's going to be. It's not going to be a temple standing. Right. Uh, It's not going to be... uh, headquartered in Jerusalem. It's not going to emanate out of Jerusalem. It's not going to be, you know, uh, it's going to be a clean break. It's not going to be transitionary adaptation of the law of Moses. No, it's going to be a clean break from that. It's going to be something that is very different and and uh, never thought of by the 12. So that you find when Peter... Is writing his later epistles uh, that he's reading Paul's ministry and finding some things difficult to be understood, uh, mm-hmm. as, are as also some of the other scriptures, and uh, so even even Peter is reading the uh, Revelation. Revelation, of Paul. Yeah. yeah. So so
1: you would mark that this was this was because it was committed to Paul, it couldn't possibly have come into a fulfilled state until Paul actually did the dispensing of what was given to him? Absolutely. Okay.
0: Yeah, I mean, that only makes sense, right? So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it just seemed like there's a long time in there where there was just like, that's just a long transition. You know, I always think of that verse, God is not the author of confusion. And it seems like during that time, there must have been a lot of confusion because things were changing in ways that weren't obvious, especially to the Jews. Um, they I were kind that, of... They were doled out over time, and so while I definitely see the fulfillment of, of what we have today not being what you see at the beginning of the Acts, where, as you said, they had all things in common, they were in Jerusalem, it was all Jewish, you know, believers, it just seems like, man, that's a long transition.
0: Well, how, how, how long is it, let's just say, uh, you, what, do you want to you start with the Lord's birth, or Death. do you want to start with Pentecost? Yeah, Pentecost. Okay, so if we start with Pentecost and we end up with the Apostle Paul, we're talking 20 years? Yeah, I was going to guess 30, but I'll take 20. Not too long, because, uh, you know, they'd rejected the Lord Jesus, and now the ministry of the Apostles is going to go out, and, and many don't reject him, mm-hmm. right? Many believe. And then, then that's going to... Bring the Apostle Paul around, you know, the death of Stephen, so forth. I'm not sure twenty years is too long to call something a transition. Not that long.
1: Yeah, like I said previously, it does get a bit relative when we talk about times. I just imagine living inside of that time, I and mean, we have a we have a long book of the of the Bible about that time. So maybe because we have so many details
0: about, well, you, this time. you wonder about living in that time, thinking that you would know what's going on, right?
1: No thinking that I would I hope to know what's going on yeah,
0: but I think not too many really did yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and just the struggles of that
0: when you know you might you might be a Jew, right, and you're of course you'd have to be if you want to see the whole thing mm-hmm. you'd have to be Jewish, and let's say you received Christ early, you know you believed in the Lord Jesus, and now you're waiting for times of refreshing to come from heaven and anticipating possibly that the rest of your countrymen will also believe Mm-hmm. You can't understand why they don't. And then this guy comes along, you don't really know what to think about him because he, he, he haven't, you haven't read anything that a dispensation has been given to him. You haven't read that. You don't have his writings. You don't, he hasn't written them. Mm-hmm. I would say not so much confusion as ignorance. I guess ignorance can lead to confusion. If you care. But you don't really get to be a guy that understands in that day. See, you're spoiled now. Ah, you understand. You're used to being a Christian. You're you're used to living in a day of grace when you can understand all this stuff. True. They couldn't. Now, not just that they didn't. They couldn't. That's hard for us to imagine because yeah. we know what we know. But they couldn't know what we know, and they couldn't know.
1: But they could still live lives of successful faith. If
0: yeah, and they and they did. So did of, absent Samson. Absent of
1: knowledge that I would think would be integral to...
0: Look how much knowledge Samson didn't have. Yeah. Right? Look how much Moses didn't know. He knew quite a bit, though. But he didn't know any about this. <laughs> he didn't know anything about uh, the Church, which is his body. It never graced his mind. It, never, he never, it was uh, in- incomprehensible.
1: But he knew enough to decide that he would rather suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the
0: pleasures of sin for a season. Absolutely. He knew some things that we don't really know at all, but we could know. Yeah. But uh, he did not know anything that he could not know. You can know all kinds of things that he could not know. True. So you're the guy living in the privileged time, not Moses. You're the guy with privilege, not Moses. And most Christians don't agree with that. They'd rather be Moses. Yeah. Well, he
1: had great... He had great works
0: that he did. Yeah, and you know, he had a burning bush that he saw and you know he spoke God spoke to him face to face. Boy, oh, I wish I could speak to God face to face. Well that's the scripture says it does. Yeah. You get to speak to God like Moses, with broader subject matter, more material, and frankly, Moses was scared to death. He exceedingly <laughs> feared and quaked. You can just sit down on a chair and open the book and read it. Yeah, back to Hebrews. What we have is better, right? Much better. But people don't, you know, think so. Some people don't think it's much better, and other people think that better is to the Jews because they'll have it better. Well, they will have it better, but it's not all to them. It's to Hebrews. Otherwise, it'd be the epistle to Israel. It's not. It's to Hebrews.
1: Well, real quick, while we're talking about what some people think, why are there so many Acts 242 churches if... At Acts 242, there was no church as we see it today.
0: Ignorance. That's it. Yeah, I I, I hung around with some Acts 242. First of all, they hear it from somebody else, so it's just, it's crowd noise, it's, you know, go Big Red, uh, Acts 242. Yeah. You know, it's kind of nice to be able to reduce the church down to a single verse.
1: You know, it makes it real easy, you don't have to really
0: understand church truth, you don't have to go through the trouble of reading your Bible. You can just go get a bunch of young people together and start raising money right now.
1: Mm. How about the Acts 29 network? Have you heard of Acts 29?
0: I did hear about Acts 29. Uh, that's this fella, gosh, I knew his name just a little bit ago.
1: Well, there's a lot of guys involved now. Yeah,
0: of course. Ah, uh, these are just uh, trees, you know, that are growing, and soon enough, the birds of the air will make their nests in them. Frankly, they have, uh, especially this Acts. First of all, Acts twenty-nine. That sounds a little cultish, doesn't it? I mean, that's Does it why? I don't... Well, because the book of Acts ends at chapter twenty-eight. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. It's like what's the point exactly? Extending that.
0: Why don't you go to Romans one? Because <laughs> they're uh, yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, we know that the book of Acts is a transitional book. That's why it, the book of Acts is universally placed in the text of Scripture, universally between the Gospels and the Epistles. Now we can wow. argue which Epistles. All right, that one, as you know, yep. I don't think necessarily the King James has got the order of the books right. In fact, I think it's got it. You know, the Epistles order a little bit, just a little bit wrong, mm-hmm. but. uh There is no question that the book of Acts is a transitional book between the gospels and the epistles. So I'd rather you call yourself a Second Thessalonians church instead of an Acts 29 church. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna reference the Bible with the word Acts, you know, what's 29? What we went from there to what we are now, we're the we're the early church today, or what, what are you talking about? I mean, what, exactly what does that even mean? And the answer to that, I know the answer to that question. What does it really mean? Whatever you want to mean. Yeah, whatever you want to mean. Very cute. I think that's it. I think it's catchy. Yeah, especially young people. And that's, by the way, what these things are made out of. They're made out of young people. Yeah. Every time I turn around, some church is trying to grab young people with some technique let's have a band play let's have a energetic you know i mean you want energy bring in steve ballmer there's an energetic speaker (laughs) uh and his basketball team now he's got a basketball team.
1: that's right he's finally i was saying the other day he's one of the best cheerleaders in history he finally found a job that fits his okay i'm not
0: going to knock a guy that cheers his way into 30 billion dollars uh if that's what he wants you know that and i'm fine with that you know cheerleading and being you know not in the church. Yeah. That's not ministry. It really isn't. Tony Robbins is better than you know most at that. He's made his career out of that. You know, go listen to Tony Robbins and you know pump some iron. It's a little profit. But when uh, or you know walk on coals or whatever crazy mm-hmm. thing that guy does. But if you want the scriptures, first of all, don't be collecting a whole bunch of young people to yourself. You know, young people need to be under older people. Number one, and according to, that's according to Scripture. Number two, let's have some mature doctrine in the church. Every church should have, ought to have, mature Bible doctrine. That's why book of Hebrews says at what time you ought to be teachers. But every, every time I turn around, somebody trying to grab off young people, and it's the path to do that is easy. And it's, by the way, universal worldwide. Grab the popular culture and play it for them. Give them what they want. Right now, if you had the church of the iPhone or the church of the iPod, especially the church of the iPod, you know iPod Church, I think that would go over huge. So, anybody that's listening that wants to fire one up, I think if you just said we're the iPod Church, we're I-. or iChurch, how about that? Just iChurch. That's nice.
1: Let me yeah. play a little bit. Spell it with two
0: eyes: a little eye and a big eye. Ooh. So that the little eye, it's about you know we we're high tech, and the big eye is all about you. <laughs>
1: Well, let me ask you this. I mean, I I, I largely agree with most of what you are saying here, but just taking the other side
0: a little bit. But um, you are focusing on what you know. What what about coming out of the book of Acts?
1: Well, no, not even the name Acts twenty nine or that. I am just thinking of like these techniques used. Oh. But the goal, you know, perhaps is to reach as many people as possible. And you said you yourself say that that young people get saved, right? That they do. Those teenagers, those preteens, those twenty year old somethings. Like, they're open to hearing the Word of God more so than an old, you know, hardened person. So what's wrong with positioning yourself in a way that's palatable to young folks and allowing your message to reach more people?
0: I have no problem whatsoever of a church, okay? Now, I'm not talking about schisming. I'm talking about a church organizing itself and arranging itself in clever ways, to evangelize young people, okay, if that's what you're doing. That's not what most of these churches are doing. Number one, if you're going to evangelize anyone, you have to evangelize them with the gospel of grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know as well as I do that very few actually even teach or preach a clear saving message. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing. Second thing, I've okay, used a particular example, right? Acts 29. Thing. Yes. That is not even stated as an evangelistic effort among, in, inside churches to, or with churches to reach young people.
1: I think it's some sort of church network or something.
0: It is stated that it is a church planting organization mm-hmm. that is, you know, postmodern, which means whatever what somebody wants it to mean, but we, Pretty much know that postmodern has, you know, vestiges of truth lined with heavy doses of apostasy. Hmm. I mean, that's what postmodern actually means. Postmodern is inclusive of bad doctrine and intentionally inclusive of bad doctrine. It doesn't just mean, you know, don't drink Coca-Cola, is out of date, and... Dress up for church is out of date, and you know some other things that are just a matter of preference and have nothing to do with the, the really with the scriptures. I don't, yeah. I don't care how. I mean, I care how my kids dress. I don't care how you dress. I care what my kids drink. I don't care what you drink. So, what, what does it really mean? Well, it signals that we're not going to have you know Bible doctrine. We're going to have other things for you. Mm-hmm. Who's that guy? This guys he should be named. This is Mark Driscoll, right? Mark Driscoll. I know he's involved in it. I'm not yeah. sure if he started that yeah, or not. I think he's not involved anymore, but, you know, bad bad teaching. I don't know if you want to go further down that road, but frankly, in the book of Acts, those folks, the, the Jews, predominantly Jews, and the Gentiles with them there in Jerusalem, had limited teaching. Yeah. They had very limited Bible doctrine. And God elected to deliver that doctrine through the Apostle Paul, and there's a reason for that. God had to get away from that very Jewish zealot Acts 2.42 only. Group of people. Yeah, I mean, uh, Acts 2.42 says uh, breaking of bread, fellowship, uh, apostles, doctrine, and prayer, right? Right. Well, they didn't even have the Apostle Paul. So they had the Doctrine of the Twelve. Partial partial apostle. Pa- piece of, piece yeah. of doctrine. The breaking of the bread there was uh, not the Lord's Supper. It's not what that phrase means. It means they ate together. They did, because they had all things in common. They ate together. That's nice, okay? To eat together, except for all things in common didn't work out for them. And as you know and as I know... The Bible later teaches, you know, take care of your own stuff, have your own things. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it decried that that organization said that was fit for them at that time. Yeah, not fit for you, not sustainable, time. right? Yeah, and of course, prayer. No problem with that. Nothing wrong with prayer, and it wasn't about a prayer meeting. It was about praying. So uh, I mean, you you can have prayer meetings. They had prayer meetings. Their prayer meetings were characterized by praying about the ministry, but there is not pattern found in that Jerusalem church. There is no pattern to be found. So another problem I have with, you know, like an Acts 2.42 church, which I had been, I was involved in it, the proper order of, for example, the Thessalonian church is not to be found there. Things changed a lot, and they got very Gentile. Mm. And uh, by that I mean Gentiles came in, And for them, when that happened, the order of things changed too. So that you don't find that Gentiles are ever zealous of the law, as the Jerusalem church became. We had a show about this, I think, one time, where where I contend that James goes to Paul and basically throws his hands up in the air and says, you see how they're all zealous for the law? Yeah. You know, as if, what can I do about this? Uh, and then he gives him good advice for Paul's safekeeping. And that's was his concern. I just, brother, 12. I just want you to get out of here alive. huh? I was going to say that's episode 12, if anybody's interested in that. Yes. And the whole deal there was, uh, brother, I want you to get out of here alive. Mm. So uh, that all this builds for us to look ahead and see what is this dispensation that Paul is bringing, and how can we live it out?
1: Let's— Look ahead from here now. All right. Okay, I'm going to end with a multiple-choice question. Okay. The, the, the Day of Jacob's Trouble, the seven-year yep. period. Is it A, the, the transition? Is it the end of this dispensation? Is it B, the start of the millennial age? C, its own dispensation? D,
0: other? It is the equivalent of what we've been talking about from Pentecost to Paul. It's a transition. It's a transition back. It's its own unique period of transition. To consider that it introduces the millennial kingdom, that it's the beginning of that, is really, I, I heard that recently, it's really far off, I think. Okay. Because it is actually the opposite of that. We see Israel being called Sodom and Egypt. Right. Whereas the millennial kingdom is one nation under God finally achieved and in blessing, because the whole nation will be saved in the day they look upon him who they have pierced. Mm. So that dispensation will begin with the most anticipated and newsworthy and momentous event in world history, yeah. which is the return of Jesus Christ personally and visibly to the earth. So yeah. once again, we have a period of transition where the church, which is his body, is finally taken out of the world into heaven. And then we have you know a transitional period, and you know you may say it's long like the twenty years that we talked about, but seven it'll be, years certainly be shorter than twenty years. It looks to me like it'll be you know either somewhat less than exactly seven years mm-hmm. or thereabouts could be thereabouts could there could be some period of time before the seven year, but not period. significant enough to be its own seven year dispensation i I don't wanna break down everything into I don't wanna break periods of time that small, but if if, if you wanna call it that, you wanna call it the dispensation of the tribulation, I'm not gonna argue with you about that. We we do understand that the conditions of it are special. Yeah. and the specific. So if you wanna call it a dispensation, call it that. You wanna call, you know, Pentecost of a different dispensation than the one we're in, I and, and I understand what you mean by that. I can agree with most all what you're saying there. I'd point out to you that the temple to God which means us are built on top of those foundation stones and so I have a little bit of a problem you cutting it out on me mm. you know because Jesus Christ the cornerstone's there and I'm attached to him as my head so I got a little problem with you doing that but as long as you see what I'm talking about there, th- this is why I don't call it dispensation by the way cuz you know in truth despite the fact that we have so much more, we're not like the church at Jerusalem, and things did change, and the ministry of the Apostle Paul did come, Mm -hmm. there you have that superstructure that extends to the cornerstone, and the apostles and prophets are the foundation. So that's why I don't do that one. When it comes to the tribulation, you might want to include it in the next dispensation, because finally, ultimately, all Israel shall be saved, and they'll go into the millennium, but to which I would argue I will also go in the Millennium. So
1: I think that thought comes out of the this, this statement, the day of the Lord, the Lord's day, yes. which is known as a thousand-year time, also the tribulation called the, the Lord's day. The day of the Lord. Yes. So I think that's like, well, is it part of the thousand years? Are they, are they both the day of the Lord? I think probably that's where that's coming from.
0: I don't know where else it would. Well, I guess you'd also have to consider the fact that an abundant entrance will be administered unto me if I'm faithful. And I'm going into that millennium. Yeah, not into... Yeah. And I'm not going into that bloody mess. Yeah, good point. So...